0: I'm praying right now that um, that one of two things happen for you, depending on where you are in your life and what you've been through and how you see yourself and how you see God, all of that can factor into how we respond to His love. So yeah, one of two things, that's what I'm praying happens for, for you. one, that if you're running from God, that you you hear this and you stop running. or two, that you would see God's love is even greater than you thought it was. So either way, I just pray that something great happens for you by the end of this, this little podcast here, because that's what's been happening for me. Um, personally, I think that every Christian runs from God in some way over some issue, For me, when I get stressed out, I run from God for at least a couple of days, for for like a day or two, and then he gets my attention and has to show me, like, take the stress to me. Don't let the stress take you from me. So I am learning, I'm getting that through my little thick, curly head to run to God when I'm stressed out. Even, you know, like, even if I don't want to talk to anybody else, I can always talk to him. But, but every every Christian runs from God. No matter who they are, no matter how old they are, no matter how long they've walked with God, we all do it because we're all human. But um, some of us run more than others, I would say. And in ministry, um, I've been in ministry for 10 years this year. And that's been one of the hardest parts of uh, just seeing God work with people and just working with people, my, myself, seeing them run. It's heartbreaking. I think if, if you have family members who don't know Christ, you know what this feels like then. Just to be praying for your family over and over for years and years, and they're making choices that you know are going to really hurt them, and you can't stop it. You try to give advice, and sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But really, what they need isn't your advice. They just need... God's love to completely change everything and you know God's trying and he's seeking them but it takes some of us a really long time to get that God loves us. And it's taken me a long time to make peace with the process that people have to go through before they surrender their lives to God. For my mother it took her 55 years. (laughs) and she died at 56, so it, it, it was in her last year, in the 11th hour, that she came to Christ with my siblings. I'm the only one that's saved, so I can relate with that, but I've, I, I've worked with women who have run from God, and when they finally come around, it's this beautiful thing, but all of us run. So if if you're running today, I don't even think that I need to to point out all the ways that, that people can run because you know it if you're doing it. You just know like God is convicting you and you can feel him. You can hear him talking to you. you. You can feel him prompting you like, come to me. I love you. I love you. He says I love you through people. He says I love you through signs and wonders. He'll make every red light green for you just to show you he loves you. God, God does all of these small and big things just to show us that he loves us. When he was getting my heart, he told me through like 10 people every day that he loved me. Um, People would stop on the street and tell me God loved me. It it, it was the most bizarre thing. You can't miss it when God is getting your attention. He does it on purpose. So if you're running from God, you know you're running. So all I want to say to you, my friend here, is that there's one, no judgment here, God does not want to judge you. He wants to love you. He wants to help you. He wants to redeem your whole life. Love is coming after you right now. Love is pursuing you. He's knocking on your door. So I I just want to encourage you to open the door and let him in. Let love in. Let God love you. It's so scary opening up your heart to God. I swear, it was one of the scariest things I ever did in my whole life. And I know that like, His love is great and it's trustworthy, but it's hard to see that at first and you think, well, um, if I give God my life, I'll lose control. Like, yeah, you will, but it's the best thing ever. It's not like losing control to another human being where they can abuse it, where they can like abuse their power over you. It's different with God. The more control we give him, the freer we feel. The more we let him love us, the more we learn how to love ourselves. And love other people around us the better our life becomes the more we surrender to God the more we get in return I swear God outgives us just in every way um so yeah that's what I wanted to just share if you've been running stop running just pause like I know it's like it's hard to let your your, your guard down all at once God doesn't expect you to do that he knows you inside and out in in Psalm 139, verses three through 11, I'm gonna read it in the Passion Translation. David just writes that he can't escape God's love. He says, you are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all of the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You, You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past." Um, So there's a footnote here. I'm also going to read that. So they're saying this part of the verse can also mean that you hem me in or you besiege me before and behind and that the implication is that God protects us from what may come in the future and from what has happened in the past. So to continue the verse, David, he keeps writing with your hand of love upon my life you impart a blessing to me this is just too wonderful deep and incomprehensible your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength where could i go from your spirit where could i run and hide from your face if i go up to heaven you are there if i go down to the realm of the dead you're there too if i fly with the wings into the shining dawn you're there if i fly into the radiant sunset you're there waiting implied in the hebrew it also goes a little deeper and it says that that the remote parts of the sea or beyond the horizon of the west so it's just it's talking about that there's there's no place where we can go on the on planet earth or even below the earth where we could escape The love of God. Okay, so to continue on, wherever I go, your hand will guide me, your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or ask the darkness to hide me, for your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. So that was Psalm 139, 3 through 11. I love to include these footnotes here because they say things that just (laughs) give me like chills. the thing here that gave me chills in the footnotes was when it mentions that, that God besieges us behind and before. Can, can you imagine, be, besiege um, means overtaken. And I've always heard it like in, in war stories and stuff, you hear about areas becoming be, besieged by an enemy and all of that stuff. So what I like here is that God besieges us, which means that uh, he's taken us from the enemy, that, that he, he's claimed us. We're, we're claimed for the Lord. So he has staked a flag in our lives, and we are his through and through. So God has taken ownership of us, and that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. We're besieged by love, and it's inescapable. Wherever we run, his love is, is on us. It's, it's not something that, that we can run from. It's in us. You, you can't run from yourself. I just love that. Oh, man. Um, when I was about 14, man, I'm telling on myself, I used to curse like a sailor like a sailor. I was raised in a house where everybody cursed all the time. Like I grew up hearing curse words and I grew up watching R-rated movies. Um, just adult content from a really young age. My, my, my whole family still sort of curses. They're, they're very like just open and um, what you see is what you get. I like that about my, my siblings. Um, but we're edgy and kind of like, anyways, I would curse. And there was one night, um, I was out with some friends. We were at a gas station. We had gotten into a car with one of my friend's boyfriends and we're just like riding around town and he stopped for gas. And I, I remember I was just cursing to curse. I was outside of the car and just like dropping F-bombs. <laughs> I felt like God told me, and, and I wasn't even following him at this point in my life, but I, I felt like he told me, you know I've made you for more than this. Your mouth is made for better things than this. For That that I was speaking words that were beneath me, beneath how he felt about me. And I swear, it was uncomfortable to curse. I, I, after that, I'm not going to say that I just stopped cursing because that's not the truth. But slowly, I just stopped because it it felt like like somebody believed in me and he could see me and hear me and um he wanted more for me it felt like God was calling me higher and I think that that's what it is when God pursues you he's calling us higher that's what love does it it lifts the beloved up love wants more for us than we want for ourselves Love does not stop until it makes the beloved's life better, until the beloved is free, until the beloved feels whole. And that's what God wants for you. That's why he sent Jesus. Romans 5 verses 6 through 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I think the number one thing that keeps people from coming to God is shame. Just being honest, because um, whew, I've met... I've met some people just hanging around with my family and some of their friends. And my siblings um, make ministry hard for me sometimes. I love them so much. But sometimes they'll tell their friends that I'm a preacher and um, that I'm in ministry. And so I'll get to the house and they'll have friends over. And I can see that my siblings told them because of how they act around me. um, And how they expect me to treat them. So I'll walk through, through the door and they'll look at me like I'm perfect. And I know I'm not. I live with me. I know the truth. <laughs> but, and, and then they'll expect me to judge them. Um, you know, there are some Christians who I wish I could lovingly shake by the shoulders and tell them to be more kind and to walk in love. Um, But I I think, and this is why I'm I'm sharing this with you, that a lot of Christians just don't know how loved they are. So they're not being very loving to other people. A lot of the times, religious people can be very scared of letting unsaved people sit in their sin. And like, yeah, that's a valid fear. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. God loved us and he rescued us out of our sin, but sometimes our method going about it can be really detrimental to the person we're talking to. So, like, um, I've come across some people who know I'm a preacher before I meet them and they, they expect me to judge them. And what I've learned from that is that just about everybody you meet knows that they're messed up. We all know that. I've, uh, oh, I, I love this author, Chip Ingram he's written that that everybody you meet is deeply insecure deeply deeply insecure all of us are in some ways we're all just trying to be good enough and so most of the time you don't need to tell people that they're sinful they know it they get it what a lot of the time people don't know is that they are so loved they are so loved and not like some human love but with a love that's pure and kind and powerful and can transform their whole lives. Um, So that's, that's one thing that hanging around unsaved people can teach you, just to be kind. You can change somebody's life with love, with just treating them with respect, and you can really chase somebody away from God by showing them judgment before kindness. I would just like to to issue an apology to anybody who's listening right now, and um, you've come across people who made you feel like you were hard to love, or like God struggled to love you, um, or people who made you feel like God loved you less, or like you weren't good enough because the truth is none of us are good enough, but God loves us anyways. It's never stopped him. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were stuck in our sin and unrepentant, while I was cursing like a sailor, love was running after me. That's who God is. That's what he does. He desperately, deeply loves you. There's nothing on planet earth or in heaven or in hell that can stop his love for you. There's nothing in your past that can stop his love for you. And there's nothing in your future that he doesn't see that he, that he's not prepared for and that he won't help you through. God loves you. You've never been unloved. Psalm 39 has been a favorite of mine for years because I used to feel like I just wasn't good enough. Um, and I, I felt this in a lot of different ways for a lot of different reasons. I, I just was, my my parents treat, treated me like I was um, a burden. They didn't like to take care of me and my siblings. It, it was a chore for them. So they didn't sometimes, and we we just sort of had to fend for ourselves and figure things out. So I learned to cook really young, and I was an adult really young. (laughs) So I know what it's like to feel forgotten and to feel unloved and to feel like you're not you're not good enough. And it took me a long time to realize that even if people didn't love me well, God always did. He always felt nothing but love for me. That's why he sent Jesus. So right here, um, I wanna go back to Psalm 139, where David writes, you even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing into something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me, before I'd ever seen the light of day The number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. God loved you before you were you. Can I read that again? Do I have your permission to just read this verse again? Verse 15. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing into something. The footnote here says that he embroidered us. That that just it tickles me. Because I know what embroidering is and it's super complicated. Like I, I can't do it. Embroidery takes detail. Like you have to look at it closely and use the needle to sew all the the ridges and details. I, I cannot. My 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 brain does not work that way. But my mom used to do that sort of stuff. So I grew up watching her and it takes some skill. So what this verse is saying is God skillfully created you with attention to every detail he was using. He knows you intimately and closely. It's almost like he can see, he can see parts of us that we can't see. So he can see the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the breathtaking, the gifted, like all these little parts of you that make you you, all of your uniqueness. He sees it all. Even the parts that you don't like, he loves. God loves you even when you don't feel worthy of it, when you feel fat and bloated. Like I feel bloated sometimes and like, but God loves me then. God loves me when I'm a couch potato. God loves me when I'm productive. Can, can you just say that out loud right now? Just stop and say, God loves me. I can never escape his love. Say say it again. God loves me. I can't escape his love. Not ever. It says that you go back up in Psalm 139, David writes, where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. And then if you jump down a little bit, it says, wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. Okay. I want to go to Romans eight twenty six. Let's see. No, 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 no. Sorry, I want to go to Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine. This verse. I think this verse might have marked my walk with God more than more than anything else because every time I I question his love or doubt it or I don't know maybe I don't feel him as much as I used to or if I feel distant or I don't understand something or um, the world gets intense and I just need to plug into God's love I go to this verse so get ready it's it's wonderful Um, So um, again, it's Romans 8, 38 through 39. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. It says, So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers of the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Here's the part that might make some people disagree with me, (laughs) but I've talked about this with my dad and some other people in my life who walk closely with God. And what God told me with this verse recently astounded me. And I swear, just everybody that I've mentioned it to was astounded. It wasn't me. I'm not claiming credit, credit for this. I was reading it one day and it just, this truth just kind of fell into my head and I sat with it for a while. But I believe something that I didn't before that I didn't even know could, could be true. That God loves people who are in hell. I know, right? It's crazy. It's a crazy thought to think sometimes it blows my mind, but it shows how inescapable God's love is because he says that it's inescapable. And in, um, in Romans eight thirty eight, he says that there is no power above us or beneath us, that there is nothing that can be found in the universe that could ever distance us from God's passionate love. This wrecks me. It wrecks me for um, a few reasons. It doesn't, um, it doesn't change what's true, but, but just believing that God loves people, whether they go to heaven or hell, that when he says he loves us all, he loves us all, takes my breath away. And it humbles me. It, it, it tells me that God loves people who reject him, which he's shown, because he died for us while we were still sinners. God loves people who choose to stay evil. God loves people who do things that are, by our standards, unforgivable, but nothing is really unforgivable to God. Um, There's only one sin that he says is unforgivable, and that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. He says that in Mark 3.29, that, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. Jesus also says that, um, that, that if we forgive, God will forgive us, but if we don't forgive, then our sins aren't for- forgiven either. So we can we, we can die unsaved, we can lose our salvation um, with these two things, just not forgiving or blaspheming the Holy Spirit, but we'll never be unloved. It makes me want to go out and I swear just like <laughs> just <laughs> be like a gospel like megaphone just <laughs> God gave me a heart for the lost with this truth. It's humbling. I know I said that, but I'm saying it again because it is. God is love. It says that in um, in scripture that God is love. I could I could find it. Yeah, right here. First John four eight says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So God can't be something he isn't. He's love. He's also just, he's also righteous. So we still have to come to Christ. For the forgiveness of our sins to go to heaven. But um, not going to heaven, being cut off from heaven does not mean being cut off from love. And here's why that breaks my heart. I was having trouble putting it into words just now, but I feel like I'm able to. Um, If you think about it, the people who hurt you in your life, um, in your family even... You might not like everything that they do. I think that this is especially true for parents. Your, your loved ones can be far, but they're never far from your heart. You might not be able to reach out and touch them, but you love them still. And not even death can stop us from loving the people we've lost. Like, I, I still actively, daily love my mother, even though she's she's gone on to heaven. Now, if you increase that by a million you're you're beginning to skim the surface of God's love for you. So the thought that that um, that God desperately loves people who are on their way to hell, or have maybe even fallen into hell, um, that's really sad. Because He'll always love them, even though they're forever cut off from Him. And I think that if we can wrap our heads around that, then we can begin to understand why God would send his son to the cross because he wants to he wanted to make it possible for more of us to spend eternity with him to be able to love us and be near to us in heaven with him but the thought of him having to love people from afar loving them across a the chasm of sin while they're in hell and I believe that the heart of God Oh man, he doesn't want hell for any of us. We choose it and we have to walk over Christ to get there. We have to walk over Christ's dead body to get to hell. God's literally done everything to show us he loves us. And I, I just, that that wrecks me. And there's one thing that I, I really don't like to see Christians say. And I'm just going to say it here. Maybe you didn't know. I used to to say this too back when I was um, still getting to know God and still getting to know his love for me and his love for other people, that it's really, really wrong to wish hell on people or to tell people that they're going to hell um, or to delight in the thought of people going to hell. The Lord says in Proverbs, never to rejoice when our enemies fall, and I think that that especially applies. To this situation, because the people we want hell for are people that Jesus died for. I think it breaks God's heart when He sees His children wish hell on the unsaved, because He's done everything He can to save them and to show them He loves them. And the the lost people around us, even if they're like really obnoxious sometimes, or or just like cursing God's name and all this stuff, the most lost people we know are no less loved than we are. Some people can pretend to be perfect and put on airs, but we're all flawed, really and even, like even the most admirable people, you know, are, are are no more loved by God than you are. And so, um per- perhaps you've been running, perhaps you've been trying to wrap your mind around the love of God. Maybe you're fighting him off because you don't trust people, you don't trust that God is who he says he is, or that he loves you as much as he says that he does. What I would love to just say to you is that love is coming after you. Let love find you. God comes after us every day with love. Let love find you. And what I mean by that is just stop running. Just stop doubting for a second. Stop fighting, God. Put, put your dukes down. <laughs> put your fists down. Just stand still. And listen to what he's telling you. Give him a chance. When you stop running, I noticed this for myself. I ran from God for um, about five years. I got saved when I was 10. But then right after my birth dad got saved, or, you know, so so we all thought. Um, but he didn't really change his be- behavior. He was abusive. And so I just, watching him pray ruined God for me for a little while. It made me trust God less because I thought, well, man, I can't pray to the same God that my birth dad prays to. I can't do that. Um, He hurts me. I don't, I don't trust that. I don't want to be anything like him. So I, I ran from God. And then I remember having this moment with him outside. We lived at a motel and being about 10 feet away from my birth dad in a motel room was a lot to handle because he was just he was abusive and controlling and um hard to be around so I would leave every night and go up to the second or th- no the third floor of the motel building there was an empty room on a far cor- corner near a balcony so no one was in there and it had a great view of the night sky so I would lay out on the balcony. Um, for hours and lo- look up at the stars and beg God to change my life. That if there was a God and if he cared, please change my life. That opened my heart. And l- later that, that, that year, it'll be 12 years this year on September the 23rd, I got baptized. I just, I stopped running and I realized <laughs> that God's love had been chasing me down, that he had never lost sight of me even when I thought I was hidden from him, that you can't really hide from God. Even if you try to hide yourself in like whatever darkness you're running to. I was drinking a lot at that age. I was a teenager and I was drunk all the time. God still saw me. He never lost sight of me. He never stopped loving me. I just, I stopped fighting him. And I realized, I, I, I looked back on my life and saw that he was there all along. That his love was there chasing me all that time. And it showed me the length of God's love. That That's what pausing will give you. This great perspective when you look back and you realize God isn't who you thought he was. And he wasn't distant at all. He was right there with you. And then when you pause, you can start to dig into God's love. The Bible, it talks a lot about the length and width and height and depth of God's love and that's what i'm talking about here that that when you stop running from god's love you can begin to discover the depth of it but you can't dig if you're running but the moment that you pause and just kind of say to to yourself i'm going to believe it i'm going to believe that god loves me i'm just i'm going to b- believe in when he says that he does and that his love is different from all the other love that i've known ever that his love is the real deal then you can start to see how much he loves you, to dig in and see how endless it is. The more you dig, the more you find. You never hit a bottom of God's love ever, ever. So I am going to read a super awesome verse (laughs) from Ephesians verse three. Sorry, what? I'm tired, y'all. I'm reading from Ephesians three verses 17- 19 in the Passion Translation, then by constantly using your faith, so your faith meaning, I believe that God is who he says he is, and that God means it when he says he loves me. All faith is, is believing what God says is true. The life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled with overflowing with the fullness of God. That's a lot and it's all good. Man, it's one of my favorites because it just, it talks about that the more we use our faith and believe that God is who he says he is and that he loves us, that the life that Christ lives, lived here on earth, his perfection, his redemption, it'll be released deep inside of us. So the more that we believe God the more he'll, he'll dig his roots, you know, into us, then the more that we're going to be transformed and that the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. I want that. Like, do you want that? I want that. For the resting place of God's love, for God's love to become the very source and root of my life. God wants that for you. Whenever you're running dry, you come to God and he gives you what you need. God loves you. God loves you way more than you think he loves you. Way more than you could ever understand or begin to comprehend. It says that here that it's endless love. His love is endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. And his extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Just close your eyes right now and just tell God, God, I receive your love. I'm sorry that I've run from you for so long. I'm sorry for all the ways that I run from you still. I'm sorry that you have to wave your hands to get my attention. I'm sorry that I give my attention to things and people that don't know how to love me the way you do. Lord, please change me with your love. Please show me how to accept your love, how to live in your love. How to be rooted in your love. Please show me how to be energized and nourished by your love. Lord, please show me how to love others like you love me. Please help me to give the love that I've received. In Jesus' name, amen.